Welcome to Missio Day. My name is Philip Haddon. I am the founder and editor in chief at Missio Day Catholic. I just wanted to share a few things with you today. First of all, blessed Trinity Sunday. Hope you guys are having a good time. I hope you all um, were able to get to Mass today and celebrate one of the great mysteries, the central doctrine of our faith, the, um, you know, to celebrate the Eucharist at Mass with our blessed Lord Jesus Christ, who is the revealer, who reveals the prime revelation, and that is the Blessed Trinity. Now, I got on here today because I wanted to share something with you. I was looking through a few uh, things of mine today, and I found an old Bible. Now, I have it right here. Show it up to you. So this Bible here was my grandfather's. You can see on here that it says John L. Haddon on here. Now, the study of sacred scripture is important to me, and there are many reasons for why it's important to me, why I've, I've such a focus on it. And one of the first uh, reasons I wanted to discuss with you guys is the factor of family. Now, my grandfather here, so this Bible is fairly old. My grandfather was born in 1919. So to put that into some historical perspective, that would have been the same year that John F. Kennedy was born. And it would have been, so 1919, 1920 is when uh, John Paul II, uh, Kara would have been born. So my grandfather would have been of that generation. Now, my parents were 40 when they had me. So that's why I'm a little bit younger than what you would suspect if my grandparents were that old. So here, why, why is the Bible so uh, important to me um, as a Catholic? Well, first of all, um, right here, my grandfather was a Methodist. And so religion played a really big importance in his life. Um, my father, who was a nominally... Um, Methodist, my mother who was Catholic, and my father would later become Catholic. I was in grade school and joined the Curcio movement and become a, a little more uh, faithful, and um, he practiced his faith more when I was a young boy. So um, that factored into a lot of my upbringing and probably why I was able to retain faith, because as you can see here, the importance to my grandfather and the importance of the Bible in my family is this Bible today. And it doesn't stop there because I actually have in our downstairs, in my downstairs living room, is I have a large Bible. And it also says John Haddon on it. But it's not this John Haddon. It's actually this John Haddon's uh, grandfather who um, brought it over um, from England, I believe. And it's very large. And this is, this is a patrimony that it has, you know, you know, being a Christian from birth, this is a patrimony, a great grace that has been bestowed on me and my family. So, you know, John, of course, um, the meaning of the name John is graced by God. And so my family is very graced by God. Um, so my, so of course, my grandfather's grandfather's name, John, and then my grandfather's name, John, my dad's name, John, I have a brother named John. And then after my grandfather passed away, then I 
course carried on the tradition and named that's what you know we named our it's a family name and christianity plays such a role in my family now of course there were some difficulties with my my grandfather being a lay minister or a methodist lay minister so of course my grandparents my dad's parents had the typical white anglo-saxon protestant the wasp um prejudices against catholics but you know when i reflect back on those memories i don't think about those things very much what i focus on is my grandparents came over um during christmas eve they went to mass with us and then we celebrated christmas uh the, uh, the birth of our lord jesus christ and so that's the traditions that i really uh focus on and um you know in my in my past memory there is and let me see if i have it handy here all right thanks i'm back so here is ron dreyer's book uh live not by lies a manual for christian dissidents now an important um aspect if you read this book i'm going to adjust my chair here so if you read this book um one of the things that rod dreyer says in eastern europe that helped uh spread or keep christianity in a place where christianity was persecuted was cultural memory and so this is it this is the cultural memory of of the legacy of my family is you know i have the importance of the bible here i have my grandfather grandfather's grandfather's bible um, i have the memories of celebrating christmas and in masses i have the memories of my um my father um i remember one of the things my my dad the volunteer um archaeologist and one of the um um native american uh, burial mounds in the state that i, that I still live in and so my dad uh, fe fell very much in love with uh, Native American culture. And so one of the things that he picked up was a uh, Native American flute. And so he could play it. And he could play, you know, the, uh, the Native American uh, music. But he also um, played um, anything on it. So one of the things he would play every Christmas season was um, the tune Green Leaves, which... Um, the Christmas Carol, What Child Is This, is what um, has been put to that music. And so whenever I hear that song uh, today, I um, my father has passed, so I'll, I will often uh, tear up because, um, you know, uh, tears of joy. So uh, moving on here, um, what's, what's the next thing that's important for um, the study of um, sacred scripture for me and, and why I put a focus on it? Uh, when I uh, got my master's in um, theology. Well, here is from Word on Fire, right here, is the Vatican II collection. Now, what Word on Fire did, uh, Bishop Robert Barron, that's uh, really great in this volume, and I suggest that you guys all get this volume um, if you want to study more of the, the four major constitutions of the Vatican II Council. Um, he wrote at introduction today, Verum, so let me let me uh, pull it up here. I'm going to read to you a specific here. It is also, it also has great significance for those embarked on the church's mission of evangelization. So this is De Verbum. 
The Council of Fathers recognized the need for a renewal when it came to reading and appreciating the Bible. They called for greater among lay people, placing the scriptures more fully at the center of the liturgy and, make it the sac and making the sacred writings the soul of sacred scripture. That's from De Verb, paragraph 24. But that dream is still, I believe, largely unrealized. So let me repeat that again. They called for greater study of the Bible among lay people, placing the scriptures more fully at the center of the liturgy and making the sacred writings the soul of sacred theology. But that dream is still, I believe, largely unrealized. So I've heard, before I even got this edition, I've heard Bishop Barron say that. And actually when I heard it, I said, I, uh, I believe you 100% there, uh, coming from being a cradle Catholic in my background. Um, and of course, when I was younger, um, I, my wife that I married, she was um, a Lutheran. She was a Lutheran school teacher. Um, she since uh, joined the Catholic Church. But she and her you know, family, who's also still Lutheran to this day, have such a great appreciation and love for sacred and, and I've heard other Catholics um, theologians make this um, uh, make this statement is that you know one of the one of the drawbacks of the Counter Reformation and since the Protestant Reformation made such a focus on sacred scripture is that the Catholic uh, Counter uh, Reformation um, the reform the Counter Reformers they de-emphasize sacred scripture. And it was really to Catholic. Um, it was really to our Catholic detriment for for doing so. And so now it's up to our generation. And part of um, you know evangelizing the culture and proclaiming um, proclaiming God and the gospel and Jesus Christ to the world, we need to study sacred scripture more. We fall in love with the uh, divine revelation of the sacred word of the Bible. So. Um, you know, so we need to focus on the, the goal of the Council Fathers at Vatican II was to help foster a great love for the sacred word, the Bible. And I 100% uh, agree. And we need to focus on that more. So just taking a look at my notes here to see what I, you know, to discuss with you guys. Um, yeah, let's move on here. I think I'm going to discuss with you... Um, a part of sacred scripture, something that I've I found uh, um, very illuminating here. Um, so um, I've been studying Acts of the Apostles, you know, since Pentecost, and if you've listened to our previous podcast, I've really wanted to focus on um, what the church looked like at in, during the Acts of the Apostles and how we can kind of bring modern Christianity back to that apostolic era and because in, in many ways, we're, we're more in a similar situation to apostolic Christianity than to, um, you know, the scholastic period. So there is a particular passage. I'm going to—this is the um, English Standard Version Catholic um, edition from uh, the Augustine Institute that I'm going to be reading from you. And I'm going to— So in Luke's gospel, we have questions about fasting. We get the parable of new wines. 
here. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. I've often had trouble with that particular passage. I've actually came to a, kind of a new that uh, when studying Acts. So let's move forward to Acts here. So in Acts of the Apostles, we get um, Peter's, uh, we get the Pentecost event, and the disciples come out of the upper room and they can speak different languages. Um, they're speaking to the people and everyone can understand them in their own language. And so we begin that scene, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what uttered through the prophet Joel. And in age it shall be, God declared, Pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my male servants, female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So there's an important feature here um, in this particular passage that, that really gave me some understanding the new um, new wine and new wineskins. So the, the passage begins here, um, let's see. But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. The interesting thing, there's a, an irony here, because in the Old Testament, wine was often a reference to joy and also um, an abundance of blessing. So the rest of that passage talks about this pour the Holy Spirit. It's in libation language. And so when we model the proclamation of the gospel, we need to be in tune to the Holy Spirit. We need to take on that new wine, the fulfillment of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ, and proclaim it to the world. Proclaim the Christ event, that the promises of the Old Testament have come to be fulfilled, and that we have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That's the gospel message. That's, that's the proclamation. That's the kerygma. Let's get to it. I'm signing off here, and you have a blessed rest of your Trinity Sunday. God bless. Amen.